Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Our topic tonight, ADHD, a mind shift experience, shared by Jeremy. With us in our virtual studio is Jeremy Schneider. Um, he is a uh, marriage and family uh, therapist that we're going to talk to and get into some uh, meat of the show a little bit. It's a real, real exciting topic tonight. But uh, first, real quick, tonight is uh, uh, Wednesday, June the 13th in the year 2018 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, our show tonight is being brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, we're also, they're also offering uh, two free digital copies of Attention Magazine. Uh, all you have to do is listen for the secret word given in three shows and email them to us and let us know the dates that they aired or even the title of the show, and um, we'll send you two magazine issues in a PDF format. The uh, email address to, um, to send that to us is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And uh, Chad actually has a tip for us tonight. Um, that we're going to play, and we'll get on to the show. So here we go. Parent to Parent Family Training on ADHD helps parents meet the needs of their children with ADHD. Through this training, you will gain an in-depth understanding of how to manage ADHD-related issues, advocate for your child effectively, and much more. Parent to Parent Family Training on ADHD was designed with you in mind. To learn more, visit chad.org forward slash parent, the number two, parent. Thank you, Chad, for uh, for bringing us that tip. For those who don't know, Chad, uh, Children and Adults with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. Uh, we encourage you to go check out their website at chadd.org and uh, become a member. Uh, there's two reasons to do that. One, they've got a lot of great member benefits. The magazine that we mentioned earlier, um, forums, websites, uh, discounts, conferences, among other things. But that's not the reason to join. Really, to support the organization uh, is important because they're the ones that are on Capitol Hill and for regulatory uh, organization, agency, advocating for those with ADD. They're our voice. Uh, they're the ones that uh, that we need to kind of collectively stand behind so we can speak to the world in one voice. Again, we really encourage you to support that organization because a, a strong chat is a strong ADHD community. Um, okay, so tonight's show is real fun. With us in our virtual studio is Jeremy Schneider. He's a marriage and family therapist whose career spans more than 15 years of working with individuals and families focusing on parenting relationships and mental health. For his work, he has been featured in the New York Times, uh, on the Today Show and CNN. He has been a speaker on panels in New York City, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Liverpool, England. Jeremy lives and works in New York City. Uh, he's the author of uh, Fatherhood in 40 Minutes, um, Fatherhood in 40 Minutes Snapshots, uh, a collection of parenting articles on the challenges and the joys of being a father uh, to his twins. Uh, you can access his book by going to uh, Amazon, or really just the best place to go is his website at www.jgs.net. Again, www.jgs.net. And with that, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Jeff. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm thrilled that you, uh, that you reached out. Um, for our listening crowd out there, tonight's show is, is really kind of unique. Um, Jeremy is the author of his new book, um, 
fatherhood in 40-minute snapshots. Um, and in t- having a conversation with him about his ex- life experience and the material in the book, um, I began to listen to, like, how did he actually do this? And so much of ADHD is really how do you activate, how do you overcome procrastination, how do you manage time, et cetera. And if you listen to the show, we pay a lot of attention to attention. And one of those things that we underline is uh, m- mindsets. Uh, is how you look at things and how you come about things. And mindset's not a, just a thought or a belief. It's sometimes actually a complete revolution in how you look at things. And so tonight's show, I want to talk to Jeremy um, about his book or really his experience that led to it and really try to highlight um, the power uh, and the process of shifting your mind so you can implement uh, all – we all know what the outcomes should be, but the issue sometimes is executing it. And so um, – Again, Jeremy, you're a, you're a dedicated uh, family individual and a dedicated father, and um, I understand that you really, really want to have a really good relationship with your children, which kind of sparked the book. Can you just tell us about your values and family and the importance of this a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, and, again, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to your audience. Um, I, you know, the the main driver for me in terms of this book was that, I didn't have the greatest experience growing up as a kid, and I I wanted to make things different. I wanted to be change the traditions in my family from something that hadn't been healthy to something that was more healthy. And then it involved a lot of, well, my role models, essentially, the way I know how to do it aren't that good. How do I start learning how to be better at something that I sort of have no experience in? And... So it got me thinking a lot, spending a lot of time kind of learning some of the research, thinking about what's involved in being a a good dad, but also kind of reflecting back on what it was that that I wanted uh, as a kid and that uh, I I wish I had received. Um, And then starting to kind of see my kids in that way. Um, And frankly, a lot of it was, was trial and error. But in the end, you know, the goal for me, and I think this is something that uh, we were talking, we talk about a lot is that, you know, having a goal helps think about how our actions lead us towards that goal. Right. I had a a kind of vision essentially for how I wanted to be a dad or more importantly, how I wanted my children to experience me being a dad. Uh, And even if I didn't know how to get there, I knew when situations happened in my life that these were moments that I had to think about, okay, I know where I want to be. Let's figure out how I can actually take those steps to get there. And I like, like anybody else, I think you do some research and you really do a lot of learning on the topic and you kind of pick up the goal out um, that you really want to get to. And, um, Tonight, really, the, the, I like like focusing on really sometimes how do you get there. Sometimes it's the goal, but sometimes it's really about the, that shift in attention. And before the show, uh, Jeremy and I were talking about, um, I think this is an experience, a little bit of an aha moment, as I understand it, is you would wake up in the morning and you were trying to get out the door, and your son would follow you around um, and in a somewhat a little bit of an annoying way. And at one point in time, your wife had pointed out to you um, that he really wants to spend time with you. And I think that from what we had talked about, that changed how you looked at some things. Could you tell us, tell us about that experience a little bit? 
Of course. I, I mean, I think that's that's exactly what happened. I uh, because I live in New York, I'm commuting into the city. Uh, it's about a 40 minute train ride, which is actually why the book is called Fatherhood in 40 Minute Snapshots, because all the writing that I did was on the train. And I would have to, you know, the train is at a certain time. So I'd have to be out of the house at a certain time. I didn't have um, even a few minutes of flexibility because otherwise I'd miss the train and I needed to be at work. And I would be getting ready and my son would literally be on my heels following me wherever I went. And in the beginning, I just, you know, I was stressed and, and I was kind of focused on getting to work instead of the moment that I was in. And I found myself just getting frustrated with him. And I talked to my wife about it. And her response was basically like, you know, in a very loving way, you're an idiot. Um, you're missing an opportunity here, you know. And and it didn't – I just didn't see it. And as soon as she said, you're missing an opportunity here, I realized this is an opportunity, right? I, I talk about kind of where I wanted to be as a dad and what my, I wanted my children's experience to be. But sometimes I didn't know how to make that happen in reality. And here it was, this moment where my son is following me around and I realize he's following me around because he wants to be like me. Like I, I'm the man, I'm his daddy. Like I'm the guy he's going to try and be like me and do the things that I do. And that realization, that aha moment, as you call it, was really, really important and essentially allowed me to then take a step back and go, okay, what are my options, right? I could just continue to think of this as annoying or I could shift my mindset, change the way I think about this, maybe start my morning a little bit earlier so I'm not as stressed. I mean, what's 10 minutes of sleep compared to a little bit extra bonding time, right? So I could do that and actually, you know, sit there and, and comb my hair and brush my hair and then brush his hair, brush my teeth and give him his, brush, his toothbrush so he could brush his teeth at the same time. Do things that give myself a little extra time to take off the stress and allow myself a few extra minutes. And it just, it changed the entire morning experience. And the, the, one of the things that I, I, I this, is, this is such a big deal, because you can read all the research, you can read all the theory, you can set all the goals in the world that you want, but I think often we get caught up in the automatic brain. We've talked about this in ABSC, you have the automatic brain and the executive functioning brain, and you just go through life. And the pressure of making the train and going to work and you wake up in the morning, you're going through that routine. I think a lot of times you get kind of caught up in yourself. And for those with ADD, the challenge is actually to pause and step out of yourself and kind of reflect. It's like a little bit of self-observation. And what I like in this little story is, is your mother saying, hey, you're being crazy. You're missing an opportunity. And in that moment, you caught yourself and you were able to step out and it changed the way you looked at it. In our world, it changed the way you pay attention to it, and it ultimately kind of changed your behavior. And I think that this is the hard part. It's that shift of mindset that that you can read the books, and we know what it is. The question is, how do you do it? And I think the real, real key is you've got to be open to it, and there's a little bit of self-reflection, which sounds like an easy thing to do. But i got to believe that you had been trying to do this before this moment at some point in time. Um, for a period of time, it really wasn't happening. Is, am I putting words in your mouth? Is that accurate? 
No, I think that is accurate. Um, and I think one of the things that I think about, and this is maybe sort of one of the advantages I came into this uh, sort of family life with, is that you talk about these kind of uh, the ways of thinking that happen when you're trying to think about attention from coming through a kind of a difficult childhood. The way I think about it are scripts that we all have these pre-written scripts from our parents about how we're supposed to respond to things. And I think the hard, one of the hardest things to do in life is to take that script that either was written by our parents or just written by instinct or whatever it is and rewrite it for ourselves, right? And that's essentially what I was doing, right? My script was essentially to just, you get up in the morning, you go to work, and it really doesn't, you don't, you don't stray from that at all. But in reality, talking to my wife, I was able to think, okay, well, I have this chance now to rewrite that script. So the script is not just different for me, but it becomes different for my son as well. And I think mm-hmm. somehow for me, the concept of a script, being able to know I was following a script before, but because I was following a script, I also had the chance to rewrite my own script, rewrite the way that I react and respond to things, is very, very empowering for me. And it, it, it well, I'll tell you what, let's do, I want to, continue this conversation in depth but let's let's go to break real quick so we don't have to, to chop this up a little bit uh for those listening uh really encourage you to go check out uh, uh, uh jeremy's book uh go to his website jgs.net and tonight our secret word is father again our secret word is father and with that we'll be right back after these messages your life your world your choice this is attention talk radio Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. The average annual cost of attending college starts around $25,000. Students who have ADHD are at high risk of dropping out because they haven't learned the critical skills they need to succeed in school. Protect your investment with an EDGE Foundation coach, specifically trained to help students with ADHD and executive function challenge make the transition from high school to college. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more or call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE to get your free college success guide. Get it right with Omega Bright, the premier natural advanced omega-3 formula for improved attention and focus. Omega Bright was formulated by Dr. Carol Locke while on faculty at Harvard Medical School and was the first high-concentrate omega-3 on the market. Omega Bright is recommended by New York Times bestseller and leading ADHD authority, Dr. Ned Hollowell, who takes Omega Bright and recommends Omega Bright to all his patients. Order Omega Bright today. Visit omegabright.com or call one 800 699-6525. Enter code ATTENTION on checkout for the chance to win a month's supply of Omega Bright. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by digcoaching.com. 
you have something those with ADHD need? Advertise on Attention Talk Radio. We are a narrowcast, internet-based radio show targeting those with or impacted by ADHD. To learn more about advertising opportunities, email attention at attentiontalkradio.com. And now, back to Attention back, Talk Radio. There you go. I jumped the gun on that one. I'm so excited about that show. Uh, we're here with Jeremy Schneider, um, and we're having this conversation about uh, uh, really the, the mindset shift in his experience. And before the break, he was talking about, um, you know, the script in his head and trying to rewrite that script for himself. And if you're an ADHD parent out there, I want to share this kind of story a little bit. To kind of, It's a metaphor that parallels what Jeremy's explaining, and I want to talk about the the challenges of this, because it sounds really easy, but as coaching a um, um, high school kid, or actually a college kid, not so, I mean, getting ready to go to college, not that long ago, and there was a lot of pressure from this kid to um, get to high school and to go to college, a lot, a lot of pressure, and we, we know um, from the research that those with ADHD um, actually do a little bit better in things that they can touch, see, and, and, and things like they're, they have a tendency to more, have more, more blue-collar jobs than white-collar jobs. And it was very clear that this kid just had an, um, the ability, the aptitude to do more, I guess, trade-type work as opposed to school. But his parents were really in the mindset that he had to go to college. And it was interesting because it took a little while um, because this kid had the interest, but it, the the family rewrote the script that the kid had to go to college and actually could go get involved in a trade. And then rewrote the script only when they found out, I think, like, welders are in short supply, and they're making, like, $100,000 these days because of the shortage in the trades and the need for this expertise in this particular area and that he didn't necessarily have to go to college. And it was interesting because in the moment that the parents rewrote that script, it totally took the pressure off, and this kid could actually go and do um, and, and be successful at something that he had the aptitude for and actually make some money. And rewriting that script, that little aha, the easiest thing to do because it requires a person to back up and kind of let go and to, and to observe. And, Jeremy, I'm hearing in the moment that your wife kind of came to you and said, you're missing a huge opportunity, you had to kind of back up and let go of something and see something completely new, and that was the impetus that – that moved you forward for everything else to take place. You would just want to comment maybe on the parallel of, of the example I described and, and that kind of aha moment? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think that, you know, again, the way that I think about scripts is so similar to the way that you've been talking about uh, children with ADD and, and that the mindset shift. And for me, having some sort of, visual image that became a little bit more concrete for me to think about it, right? I, I just, I, I couldn't understand why I was being a certain way, right? Like, why was I not taking advantage of the time that I had with my son? Why was I getting frustrated over something that, frankly, there's just, you know, I understood why I was frustrated, but why? There didn't need to be, you know? And so being able to take that step back and essentially, first, I had to see the script that I was playing out, right? Essentially, right, this was a script that was written that I was following. So I had to sort of see that first because without seeing it first, seeing what that script is, it's impossible to then change it, right? So 
being able to understand what that script was, seeing that that was, okay, I'm stressed. I'm feeling like I have to be the, the quote-unquote man of the house. I have to be like my dad in terms of being responsible and being the, the moneymaker. Um, my wife was working uh, at home, like she was taking care of the kids. So, you know, we had divided up labor essentially in that way. So I felt this pressure of being the financial breadwinner in the family. And so my script was, you, you, you got to get up in the morning, you got to go to work, you got to make that train, you got to be on time, you got to get everything you can to get it done during the day, and then you got to come home. And so being able to see that script, take that step back, review that script, understand why it was happening, why I felt that way, and then give myself freedom to say, okay, I'm going to rewrite that script. I want to change that script so that, it, again, it's different not just for me but for my kid. And essentially the, the parents that you were talking about, I mean, they really had to take a look at, they had dreams about the way they thought their child was going to be. And it's hard for a parent to be able to go, okay, well, but that, that was what I thought was going to happen. And, and you're telling me that's not going to happen? And to be able to take a step back and say, well, it's not about what I want for my child as much as what's best for my child. And, you know, being able to then rewrite that script and give him a much better opportunity. And frankly, it sounds like it gave him the freedom to be who he could be versus kind of forcing him into a slot that maybe he didn't want to do and, and wasn't comfortable doing. So, this this we're, so much of our show the last couple of years has really been kind of getting to the episode, the hard part because we can read the theories, but it's really that backing up and the self observation and go wait a second what's going on and being open to some things. And so, Jeremy, we were talking after this little moment in your life where your wife had, had made this comment to you. I think we we get caught up in listening to words. We pay attention to words and. Um, and, and, you know, we pay attention to attention around here. And, and when I was paying attention to communication, I understand that words only, only constitute like 30% of communication. The rest of it is nonverbal. And so if I recall correctly and have this conversation, is in the moment that you had this little aha moment, you began to watch your kid and he was following you around and wasn't saying, I want to be like you, but you began to notice is that he was – he was following around. He wanted your attention. He wanted to be like you, and you began to see what he was communicating to you that you had missed before. Um, am I putting um, concepts or words in your mouth, or if I'm not, can you just, just share your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, let me let me start off by saying I realized I didn't tell you, didn't tell you how old my son was. He was maybe two. <laughs> so mm-hmm. obviously, he didn't have the capability to say. Daddy, I'm following you around because I want to be like you, right? Like, it's my job to be able to discern that. And in that, you know, the first probably few weeks of that, I I wasn't listening to him the way that I needed to, right? And it took my wife to be able to say, um, hey, (laughs) he's saying this. And obviously he's not using words because, you know, he didn't have a full vocabulary yet. Um, and so, you know, that, and frankly, from my perspective, that's what frustrated me the most in the way that, I, you know, 
I should, you know, I'm a therapist. <laughs> I, I should be good at discerning the, the, the nonverbal cues from people. Right. And I was in my own head. I was in my own following my own script and wasn't paying attention to the person I really should have been paying the most attention to. Um, and, but I think that, that what happens is that those kinds of things can go on for months and years because either they don't have someone in their life who can kind of point out, right? I mean, I'd like to think that I would have figured this out at some point, but certainly having my wife point it out to me accelerated that process tremendously so that, you know, it can go on for a long time and we may never pick up on the things, the cues that we're missing. But, you know, I was very lucky. I mean, he, he was too, and I probably didn't, he may have known, he may have experienced my agitation, you know, in those first couple weeks. But when I shifted my mindset and was able to kind of make extra time for him, that's the part that made a difference, right? Yep. You know, it's not like I had, yep. thankfully, I had made an, an irrevocable error, right? It was that it just took me a little bit of time to pick up on the uptake, you know what I mean? Um, to see yeah, the absolutely. So uh, what, one of the things I'm, – I'm overstepping my bounds because you're a professional assist. Um, I'm really just a coach. It was funny because a second ago it took your wife to point that out. And it's funny because I think, I think a lot of the show is maybe your wife pointed it out, but to me it took you uh, the open-mindedness to be able to listen and to witness it. Because all too often I find people, they're not open to it, and their, their, head is, their, their head is down, they're kind of going forward, and they never stop and kind of look up and not really open to some of that stuff. So while your wife did point it out, I think a lot of parents uh, of kids with ADHD struggle because their head is down, and they're not even opening to listening, and so they don't hear the obvious or don't see the obvious. And so that notion of pausing and backing up and saying, what's kind of going on here, and letting go of what you're paying attention to and looking for something else facilitates that aha and that transformation and the switch between the frustration to actually being able to implement and achieve what the research and the theory says. Is that? Yeah. And I think that's absolutely true. And I think it's interesting. I think I just heard during the commercial break, you talking about uh, the importance of taking a pause. Uh, And I think that that, that pause is, is not just the stopping, right? Because we, we just get into this cycle of going, going, going. And, of course, while we're going, it's very hard to be reflective, right? It, it's just yep. it makes it significantly more harder to do that. But the pause also can be a variety of things. And, and I'll just give you an example. For me, for me, when I write, I am in such better shape mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and as a human being, people <laughs> enjoy my experience, enjoy me better when I am writing because writing allows me that reflective meditative time to what are the issues that are affecting me? I'm going to write them out. You know, I'm going to write mm-hmm. them down. And sometimes I know ahead of time what I'm trying to say, but frankly, there are times where I write a problem that I'm having and I don't know how it's going to end. And by the time I get to when I'm finished, I'm like, Oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm behaving this way or I'm responding this way when in reality, that's not how I want to be. Or 
you know, particularly, you know, it's like I'm feeling helpless in this situation. Okay, well, what can I do about that helplessness? Sometimes you got to live in the helplessness. Sometimes you got to accept that there's a helplessness about certain elements, but that there are pieces you can make progress on or make a difference on. And that pause, that reflection, I think really gives us a chance to say, okay, you know, what, what am I doing that I'd like to change? What am I doing that is bothering me or upsetting me or just making my life a little bit harder than maybe it could be? That, that pause and reflection, and, you know, you've said this before, it's, it is an incredibly hard habit to get into and even maintain. I mean, I, I know that personally. I love writing. I know the benefits it gives me. And I will go days with forgetting just because I get caught up yep. in the chaos of the world. Um, so and so I, I, wanna, I think I want to I want to yeah, expand on this a little bit, particularly the writing thing. In a second, we come back. I want to go to break, but before we do, really quickly, uh, that pause and the back up and and be open. Um, a lot of a lot of my practices actually, it's kind of fun on my website. I've got an aha test that's kind of buried in there where you take it, and there's a, there's a list of questions that you that I ask, and you you're supposed to answer the question, and then later I give you the answer. And I'm going to share one with you right now. We'll go to break. We'll come back and talk about. It. And the question is, in what state does the Mississippi flow? And when you ask that question, I you know when I ask that question to people, they begin to say, well, like Mississippi and Louisiana, Missouri, and I go liquid, like. There's gas, there's a solid, and there's a liquid. And it's like, wait a second. And there's a little aha moment in there because it's an accurate statement. But people tend to are programmed to look at things a different way. And that the ability to kind of pause and wait a second, what's this question, and have a bigger picture is a metaphor to maybe a vocation might be good. Oh, maybe my son is following me around because he wants to emulate me. That that. The hard part of stopping and observing is, I mean, it's, it sounds so simple, and I can share these little stories, but when you're in it, the idea, it's really, really hard because you have to stop and you have to let go and you have to make that happen. So uh, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more in detail on that for our listeners. Go to uh, go check out Jeremy's stuff and his book at jgs.net. Again, our secret word tonight is uh, Father, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Make every moment count with Time Timer, a sensitive solution for ADHD time management. It shows how much time is left using a bright red disc that gets smaller as time passes. To place an order for a Time Timer, all you have to remember is timetimer.com. You can't go off to college with them, but we can. Visit edgefoundation.org to learn more how an edge coach can help your student reach their full potential. You can also call 206-632-9497 and use promo code EDGE and get a free college success guide. The Attention Talk Network has over 450 interviews and more than 210 hours of programming, which is overwhelming if you think about it. That's why I've made my list top 10 favorite Attention Talk radio interviews. Download the list at www.digcoaching.com 
forward slash ATR. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a great conversation with Jeremy Schneider talking about his own individual experience and story of the aha that really helped him get to where he wanted to go to achieve his goals and have a relationship with the kids. And he's telling that story, and we're using it really to illustrate a bunch of things. Is The, the difficulty of implementing the theory often takes that mindset change. And to do that, you've got to step back and kind of look at yourself, which is really a self-regulation thing, which is so much about what ADHD is. It's the ability to pause and override that automatic urge uh, to blurt something out, et cetera. And it's a very effortful thing. Um, before the break, Jeremy was talking about his experience writing, and I have to jump on this because ADHD not only is a self-regulation issue, but it's a challenge of working memory. And we've done a lot of shows on that. In fact, last week we aired a, a great show with Dr. Russell Barkley speaking specifically to it. But, but that notion of pausing and you know, Jeremy, when you sat down and said, when I was listening to you, sometimes you have to stop and what am I trying to say here? It's like you have this thing and you're not sure really what you want to say and you've got to pause and you've got to reflect on what is going on and put a context around that and put that together. And really I'm here and organize your thoughts in such a way so that it really kind of makes sense. And you're saying it's really helpful for you because it's really reflective for you. And i got to believe that the experience of writing your book actually helped you really digest some of your experiences so you can implement it. And, and this pausing and collecting your thoughts or pausing and listening to your wife and backing up is really the epicenter, I think, of that shift in order for you to implement stuff. So can you tell us more about your experience in, in writing and what it does for you in terms of helping you uh, really shift and, and own your experiences uh, for change? Yes, I'd love to. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, Father in 40-Minute Snapshots is actually a collection of about 60 what I call snapshots, 60 stories like the one that we've been talking about where my son was following me around. And, you know, most of them came about because I was struggling with something. And either I was struggling with something and I figured it out and I wanted to write about it, or I was struggling with something, and I wrote, and the, by the writing process, I figured it out. And I think, you know, and again, I was able to write all of these on my 40-minute train ride. And I, and I mention that because I essentially every day allowed myself these 40 minutes for this kind of meditative, reflective time. And I think that that is so valuable. Right. Not everybody can do that. Uh, you know, it's it. Not everybody can devote that kind of time. But it's the idea that we're setting aside time for ourselves, not with cell phones, not with other people. But you know, I would sit with a, a laptop or whatever it was and my headphones and listen to music and just focus on what I was dealing with, what my experience was. Was I, for instance? you know, did I have this weird feeling after seeing them off to school in the morning? You know, there were times, I'll just give you an example, where I would put them on the school bus in the morning and then I would walk to the train station and I would have this weird feeling. And I didn't understand it for a few days and then I started writing about it. And what I realized was that there was something about putting them on the bus and no longer having kind of control over what happened to them, right? Like they were just off on this school bus. I mean, presumably it was going to school, right? But it just felt like 
I no longer had control over them, and I couldn't do anything about it. And that helplessness was really a little anxiety-producing for me. Now, thankfully, I was able to think about it and write about it a little bit. And then afterwards, when I put them on the bus, it didn't bother me as much because I was able to understand what was happening to me and why I was affected that way. But I think allowing ourselves that time and being able to and, – and, and, and let me just take a step back and say writing works for me. But it doesn't have to work for everybody, right? It can be uh, many different things. Some people like art, right? Some people like just drawing something or creating something. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to have these kind of contemplative, meditative moments. And often it is through something creative. Um, but it, I think it's just the, the, the first trick is kind of finding what – what sort of centers you, what sort of grounds you. And I think the second step is starting to think about, because it's so hard to start this, what questions do you ask yourself, right? And I think it's as simple as, how am I feeling today? Is there, did something happen today that made me feel strange? Starting to explore that. And I think one of the things that I've just learned over the years is I ask myself questions all the time. And it's just this kind of constant running commentary of sort of therapy in my head. Uh, and when I bump into something that triggers a feeling, you know, now I'm a lot older, I, I know like, oh, okay, I know what to do. I need to think that through or I need to put that aside and think about that when I have time to do so. And then I'll write about it or I'll talk to my wife or talk to a friend or, you know, whatever it is. But in the beginning, to be able to devote that time and think, okay, I'm allotting this time to myself because I'm important. I'm going to do it in a way that allows me to just be completely genuine and honest. I don't have to share this with anyone else. No one else ever has to know what I'm writing or drawing or sharing in this, but that you begin that process of what's my experience? What is my reaction? Is this upsetting me? Is this making me scared? Is it making me anxious? And then why? Where is that coming from? Does it remind me of something? Does this feeling feel familiar from something before? And kind of just going through that process. I like how you shared that, and I really particularly liked when you said you stopped sometime and you're like, how am I feeling? And I think that, that, that those with ADHD struggle with self-regulation, and we all know that mindfulness or meditation is very helpful for them. It's very difficult for them. Uh, all the experts really agree. It's the ability to pause and notice when your thoughts wander away from your breath and meditation and bringing them back and letting them go kind of purposely. You're, in, you're trying to be in the moment and witness yourself. And the stop, like, how am I feeling right now? And not just blurt it out, but actually stop and effortlessly override the automatic response and really explore and like, well, huh, I'm not really sure how I'm feeling. And that exercise that you described of the kids on the bus and stopping and noticing it and understanding it, again, to me, is really the epicenter, really what I wanted to highlight in the show, is it takes self-regulation. It takes self-awareness. It takes the pause in order to implement most of what we know, what the research says, we, we all know what the answer is. We all know what the goal is. But how do you actually do that? And it requires this stopping that takes place. 
and I really wanted to highlight this in the show because you're, you're you have you have a great book and you've got a lot of great stories that you tell. But I've got to believe that among those embedded in them is that hey, I got to stop and I've got to reflect on what's going on, not just read and not just be automatically going through life with your head down and never stopping to pause and looking around and saying, you know, what's going on. Really reflect back on yourself and really make that happen. And from what I'm hearing from you, it's been transformational for you in your relationship with kids and gotten you where you are and inspiring you to help other people by writing this book. And hopefully the book will spawn other people to kind of reflect and make that change as you have. Um, but at the end of the day, you can read the book, but you really have to make the mindset shifts in order for this to take place. Is that anything you want to add absolutely to that? Is that accurate? That's absolutely true. Anything else that we, you want to add and share before we pull this thing together? I mean, again, the purpose of the show is really to illustrate. And, and, and Jeremy doesn't have ADD. He's not related to our world, if you know what I'm saying. But in his experience, I mean, I think it really kind of highlights what's kind of taking place. Um, so just with that, everybody, and, and Jerry, anything left to say, you think? Or anything any no, you have left to share? I, I think we covered a lot today. So, everybody, go check out. Uh, his website, and go get his book. His website is jgs.net. Um, that's jgs.net. Our secret word tonight is father, and um, again, his book is uh, Fatherhood in 40-Minute Snapshots. And with that, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Everybody, we hope you've enjoyed this edition. Uh, tune in next week for another edition of Tension Talk Radio. Take care. Bye.